0: Welcome to Real Life Fiction. I'm Matt James with Conundrum Publishing, international best-selling author of the Jack Riley Adventure Series. And today I'll be talking to author Anthony M. Strong. <music> Tony, thanks for coming on the show, my friend. How you doing?
1: Good, good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So uh, how has everything been? I know you've been traveling a lot lately. We have. Uh, my wife and I bought a cabin, well not really a cabin, more of a, a cottage up in Maine on an island in Maine uh, earlier in the year. So we spent the summer up there uh, and then cool. we we came down just before Nink, uh, beginning of September and then I've been writing ever since, just locked away in here and typing nice. away.
0: Yeah, I have a, I actually have a, a, not a childhood friend, I guess a younger adult friend. Uh, his family has a cabin, uh, on a lake up in Maine. And, uh, he was, he, this was, I mean, I haven't seen him in about 10 years, but, um, yeah, he goes, it's, you can say it and you can, but until you're there and you see it, it's, it's magical. And, uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's cool because we've been wanting to move. We've been because um so we're both in Florida right now. Um yeah, yeah. And uh I've been here my whole life and um uh I've my wife and I have been like chomping at the bit to move. Uh we just we've fallen in love with the Appalachians. Um we just we we love like southern Tennessee, we love like that area, and it's you know, it it's it's it's, it's as cliche as it gets, like the people are Awesome. Everybody's so nice. No, it's true. I mean, we go up there and it's it's actually kind of it's it's a breath of fresh air, um, quite literally, because you're up in the mountains and it's it's cool. There's seasons like what are those? Um, And it's just my my area of South Florida down in West Palm Beach is like uh, it's becoming or has become like a vacation vacation destination for a, a lot of people. Um, which is, which is cool. Cause there's a lot of small businesses down here that are like loving it. I mean, cause that that's what you want, but as like a permanent resident and lifetime resident of this area, it's awfully annoying. Um, and it's just, we, we went up to, um, pigeon forge and we went up there for a week for a wedding, uh, last year. And it was like, it was it was last september and it was like it was the best week of i mean it was easily the best vacation i've ever had it was just it was and we did nothing it was just we just drove around and saw stuff it wasn't like we didn't have a lot of stuff planned we so wedding yeah. party it was a wedding destination so a lot of friends a lot of you know people that we knew so we hung out but it, it was like we were at the cabin we were just like it's so cool, and then I came home and I was really depressed for a few days. And,
1: <laughs> and I, I know what you mean. You know the the people in uh, the the place where we bought is it's a little uh, town. It's only got like in the winter it only has like I think nine hundred or a thousand residents, wow. and it's the the largest lobster port in Maine. So they oh. that's all they do. They go out, they lobster, and then they bring the trucks in and truck it off to the mainland and and off it goes but the when we went down to the town hall to pay our taxes that that were due while we were there um, we were talking to the town hall manager who's pretty much the only person that works there (laughs) and I mean she knows every single person in the town she can tell you all the neighbors how long they've been there Uh, everyone in the town knows everyone you know you, you go to the post office and they comment on the fact that you you repaired the deck or that you put new railings up. Um they they just everyone knows everyone by sight, no one locks their doors. It's it's a completely different world to Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm close to Kennedy Space Center mm-hmm. and Cocoa Beach. And you know, you, you wouldn't go to bed and leave your doors unlocked in this area. I mean, it's a, a nice enough area. We live on a golf course, you know, we we've got nice yeah. neighbors, but Um, you know, when they said, I mean, they don't even lock their cars. They'll just get out of them and go places (laughs) and leave the cars unlocked. It's, it's like another world up there.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're super safe down here too, where I am. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't have a lot of worries and stuff like that, but it, it, as safe as my area is, you get into some of these other areas and you're like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you didn't because, I mean, I'm very familiar from uh, where you are. I mean, I love Coco. Uh, My family owned a bowling alley in Satellite Beach for really for like 15 years. Actually, maybe closer to 20 years. And um, uh, he sold it. My dad sold it a month before Hurricane Francis blew it down. Um, So when the Francis and Gene hit us back to back and uh, destroyed most of that area. Yeah. Obliterated Satellite Beach, which sucks because it's such a a beautiful little community, a little island. I actually once saw it on an episode of cops. I saw a high speed chase oh. through Sally Beach, Florida and wow. it was a very short chase because it was like <laughs> Island No Island. <laughs> it was just like, it was like the stretch is tiny. But uh yeah, we yeah. we owned a bowling alley up there so we would go up to Cocoa all the time. We'd watch the 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 shuttle take off from Sally Beach because yeah. of the way uh uh Cocoa and Kennedy juts out into the Atlantic so you yeah. just stand on the beach, look north and see it perfectly and um, we love it up there. We we love taking our kids up to Coco because we love Ron John. We just like that whole area. Right. Uh, Ron John Surf Shop. If nobody yeah. knows, if you're in that area, you have to check it out. Oh yeah. Um gorgeous area. But um um so uh yeah. Anthony M. Strong, uh Tony. Yeah, for those that don't know you, <clears throat> excuse me, that aren't necessarily familiar with your work. Maybe you've seen the name uh, on Amazon when they're clicking on pages. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself as a writer. Um, like uh, mainly, uh, you know, what, what is your your key work,
1: I guess? Um, I, I kind of have two uh, aspects to the work. The first one, of course, is the uh, supernatural thrillers, the John Decker series. Uh, I'm working on the 11th book in that series right now. And... I write those under Anthony M. Strong, and then under the pen name A.M. Strong, my wife and I have just started a um, FBI thriller series, so we are doing straight thrillers uh, under that pen name, and we've got three of those out, and then I have the fourth one to complete before February.
0: Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, your uh, and your um, your Decker series is going through a uh, facelift, if I'm not mistaken, right? With the, it is. With we are in stuff. the
1: process of redesigning the covers. We looked at yeah, you know, we've we've had some of these covers since uh, like 2016. <clears throat> some of the earliest covers, and they're just not they they just weren't where we wanted them to be. So we're in the process sure. of redesigning all the covers. Uh, we're, we're even thinking of of lengthening the first novel because it was a shorter book. It was never meant to be a series. I wrote it as a one-off and moved on to other stuff. And then people kept asking if there was going to be a follow-up to John Decker. So that's, that's really how the series started. But it was intended as a, as a one-off. Otherwise, I would have planned it better as a gateway into a series instead of the way I did it, where it, it was basically a one-off schlocky horror book um Mm -hmm. almost like a b-movie in book form and so i I would have done a better job of planning it as a series opening if if i'd have thought it was ever going to become a a long-running series but yeah so we're we're redesigning all of those right now we're looking at um getting them all there's a few that aren't in hardback yet that we're working on yeah i'm doing the same thing right now that's where we are right now with them
0: yeah, I'm doing the same thing with my Jack Riley series. I got the uh, the fourth one in hardback uh, as, as soon as it was published, basically, because uh, it was available. I mean, that's a new yeah. thing that the new thing that Amazon's offering <clears throat> is the hardcover printing, and um, they're beautiful. I was actually very impressed with uh, with um, the, just the quality. Uh, I was a little frightened because uh, uh, designing a book, if people don't know, f- for paperback and for hardcover is very different. Um, as far as like the templates and stuff you're using. So shifting artwork, doing this, you're like, Oh God, like I already got it right once. Now I have to do it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a new process. I'm, 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 I'm really excited to be able to, now I'm updating. I'm in, I'm doing, I just sent off, uh, the, the first book in the Jack Riley series to publisher, to have it published as hardcover and then I'll start working on books two and three. And then from now on I'll do all of the art, uh, paperback and hardback
1: immediately and, um, send it off, uh. Just in the process, so it's it's kind of yeah. cool. I guess I'm lucky from that regard. You know, I <clears throat> I was a graphic designer uh, working in publishing before I became a writer. So my job was was literally doing that stuff. I yeah, a it's lot of definitely a lego. Work and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I have the advantage that I was already doing it for other people beforehand. Got fed up with it and then ended up doing it for myself. So um, yeah, I guess that's a double edged sword, but. You know, the only thing I don't like about the Amazon hardcovers is that they don't have the slipcases on them, which is a shame.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure out if there's a way to do those aftermarket. Um, I'm sure there is. Um, it, you know, with you know, you you literally have the dimensions of the book, and there's yeah. got to be like a way to apply that to uh, the the dust cover, the slip cover, and have it done. I'm like that would right. be kind, that would be kind of neat. Because, uh, I mean, the dimensions of a hardcover are the same no matter what. So yes. if, there's a, if there's a printing press that all they need is the dimensions that like of the template that you get from Amazon, then I don't see why it can't be done. That would be kind of cool. Uh, I get why they don't do it, because that's just added expense in printing on their end. So, I mean, maybe they will down the road as this becomes a thing.
1: I, I'm kind of surprised they don't, because it sounded like they were trying to compete with Ingram, who do provide that service. So I'm I'm kind of surprised that they didn't jump all in on on that and and do it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I was actually kind of uh, what's cool is like, I remember when I was doing all of my self-publishing and I would do my paperbacks and I would see that they're being printed in South Carolina. That was one of the more common big printers that Amazon would use. And then now all my books are being printed in Orlando. So it's like, obviously it's regional. They know I live in Florida. So <laughs> yeah. they're using a Florida printer, which is kind of cool. Um, my, I don't know about you, my hardcovers came from Illinois or Indiana. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, wow, that was, uh, I didn't expect it to literally be across the country. Uh, and, and, right. and I'm like, okay, well, this is starting to make a little more sense meaning that they're like, obviously, they're they they're rolling out the hardcover availability and then probably seeing how it yeah. does. And then as it like they did with the paperbacks, you know, it's like South Carolina, now they have a printer in Florida. Now they have a printer here. So I'm sure as time goes, those hardcovers will be printed all over the place instead of maybe yeah. only in a couple of places. Um And then maybe the next evolution is those slip covers. Um, I don't know. I, I'm assuming they have all of this figured out by now, because I mean, it's
1: we are not Amazon, but it's Amazon, <laughs> so they'll they'll take forever to do whatever they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Apple approving a podcast. Indeed. Sorry, I had to get that. I had to say that. No. <laughs> uh, we talk books, guys. We talk books. There's nothing you have to approve. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so um, where did the idea for um, John Decker come? Uh, like, obviously, I know you said it was a, a one off, but uh, yeah. where, where did kind of um, the I guess the evolution of the character like where did it start and kind of where has it taken
1: you? It started I was having a conversation with my wife about um basically writing horror novels and which is really how how The John Decker started it was originally conceived as a uh almost uh like I said a B movie horror novel like the kind of thing you'd see on a uh sci-fi channel movie you know like not really sharknado but that that kind of Um, tongue-in-cheek kind of of horror and I had said that you know it it won't be that hard to write I could write a book like that in a couple of weeks so she said all right we'll do it then so I sat down and I think it took me about two weeks to write the first draft of that particular novel it's a shorter one like I said it's I think it comes in around 53,000 words Mm -hmm. so um, it's not long which is why we're thinking about expanding it and doing a second edition Uh, but Decker really just came out from uh, probably movies that I've seen. I watched a lot of um, horror movies growing up and I've watched a lot of movies on the sci-fi channel and you know there, there's in a lot of these movies there's the cop who uh, doesn't think anything's going on and then there's the monster and and so it really came from that. Uh, like I said it was almost uh, I, I don't want to say it was parodying because it isn't it isn't funny but it it was almost like a. a it, it was almost like a kind there's of like a a homage camp- to. Yeah, there's yeah. like a
0: there's a campiness to it that's yeah that's accepted in in, exactly. in in the realm. Yeah, action adventure is the same thing. There's campiness that's expected because of Indiana Jones and because of exactly. You know, like, there's humor. There's like like the, I call them the rompy adventures where there's like this little bit more of that laid back kind of, you know, loose kind of feel to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and horror, you know, the John
1: Decker character evolved it, uh, over time as I wrote the books and I got more into um, how I was going to turn this into a series because it occurred mm-hmm. to me that, you know, the the first book is set in, in small town Louisiana in the bayou, uh, which was where we were living at the time. We lived just outside of New Orleans So I was basically writing the area around where we lived on the other side of Lake Pontchartrain. And uh, it occurred to me that there wasn't much you could get out of a series doing everything there. You know, it was a small town. How many things can happen to one guy in one town? So I decided to kind of make him more of a a global traveler recruited by a shady organization. And that, that was how the rest of the series came about but he's morphed over time into more of a, like you said, an Indiana Jones character because he he tends to go to a lot of places. Like one book, he ended up in the Amazon jungle. Um, he's now ended up back in time um, because he went to the Bermuda Triangle and somehow he ends up back in time and then he ends up in London in 1911. So he he kind of gets around and he ends up in a lot of situations that are less horror and more action adventure these days. Uh, with a horror element, there's normally some kind of a monster or something supernatural in there because that's expected. But he tends yeah. to spend a lot more time doing more action adventure stuff than just pure horror um, stuff these days. So the, the books have morphed a bit over time and become something else.
0: Yeah, that was the... It's funny you say that because that's exactly what I'm going through in a positive way with my... Uh, Used to be called Dead Moon series. Now it's called The Unseen. Um, And uh, we're just republishing it uh, through Conundrum. uh, New covers, uh, re-edits, just full-on facelift. And um, the first book was just called Dead Moon. And the Mm -hmm. the main character is Frank Moon. And it was just supposed to be a New York cop, uh, Florida transplant. So a little bit of me and him. Hates cold weather. Been living in New York for a decade. Uh, you know, so basically how I would be living in New York for a decade um and uh just um monsters meteor comes radiation a muck, a muck. yeah, you know and uh actually sold fairly well, not not great, but I wasn't I wasn't in I was just throwing books out I wasn't like this is what's going to get me, you know, it was just me writing a story. Then I wasn't, I was like, Hey money. Cool. You know, It yeah. wasn't like, I didn't, I wanted to be a full-time writer, but that was my fourth book I ever wrote. So it was like, just get them out there. I need, I need a portfolio. I need like stuff to advertise and yeah. um, had the idea for the story and I loved it. And then, um, just kind of kept going with other stuff. And I had people asking me, when are we going to see Frank again? And I'm like, I don't really have a book two yet. Like I, I it wasn't really I, like the end of the, at the end of the book was very open, but it wasn't like necessarily planned for a sequel. Um And then I'm like, I went through and just kind of like reread. uh Oh no, I was doing the audiobook for it with uh with a, uh, with an audiobook book guy with, with a narrator. So I was going through the book several times and then listening to it and this, and I'm like, I kind of yeah. refell re- in love with the story and I'm like, man, I really want to write a second book. So I just, started writing more books in the series. And, uh, um, here we are, and now I'm going to be writing book five, uh, m- middle of next year ish. Um, and, uh, we'll go from there. And, um, I gave it to Nick and, you know, my partner at Conundrum and he, he read the first book just before I was working with him. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I have a series that I think you would like it. You know, it's, I, I think you could do better with it marketing wise and all that stuff. And yeah. Yeah, so he read the first book and didn't hear back from him. I'm like, because we're both, we're we're both busy family men. So I'm like, I I don't push him. And then I text him and he goes, I've just finished book four. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, dude, it's been like eight days. He's like, yeah, I wanted to see what happened. I really liked the first book. I love the characters because it's all also, it's also in first person point of view. So it's, you know, first person present. Yeah. So it's like, you're in the moment in the character's head. Very immediate. Yeah. Immediate reactionary everything. So it's very like, holy cow, all of this is happening right now. And it's, it's crazy. And and he goes, it's great. He goes, it's perfect for that style of book, but it's back to John Decker. It's not necessarily like, I don't like to pigeonhole it as a horror novel or as like a horror book because it, it's very character oriented. It's very yeah action oriented. It's got a little of those adventure elements in it where there's a little a little slap, I don't know, slapsticky campiness to it. But um, it's, it's just character driven story that just happens to be in the middle of this monster apocalypse and you know, I mean,
1: here we are <laughs> now. I'm yeah. writing
0: the fifth book because I was told to. <laughs> I I'm wanted told... to, but now I'm told to.
1: And <laughs> talking of which, my my wife is reading uh, right now. Is reading your book that uh, the first of your series that you're writing with Nick. Oh yeah, the Anubis plague. The Anubis plague. plague, and she said to me last night, you know, it's it's very similar to your John Decker uh, prequel. <clears throat> uh because the uh after I wrote the second Decker book we decided we needed a a, a prequel uh something to put people into the mailing list so I wrote uh, I wrote Soulcatcher which is about mm-hmm. um the cult of Anubis and they basically steal yep. an object from a museum and then try to resurrect Anubis. <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty darn close. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, this was uh that
0: story in general was just uh uh I so like we're busy. Uh most my main series is Jack Riley and it's very much more straightforward action thriller, like action adventure, archaeological stuff. So yeah. I try not to bring in more over the top su- supernatural elements. Um I try to keep it very grounded in like um scientifically explained like what's happening like um zara i wanted to be a little bit more over the top with stuff so i wanted to be just that little edgier that little bit rougher even action uh i wanted it to be a little bit more have more of those like unknown elements and um i've always wanted to write about in roundabout way like um biblical plague and like that kind of stuff and i'm like so, you know, you, you go through your research, you know, yeah. rabbit holes and you just start reading about stuff. And I'm like, well, wh- what's cool in Egypt? I'm like, well, obviously, you know, the Pharaohs, the gods. And I'm like, OK, cool. And then I have a lot of influence from uh, The Mummy 99 in that movie or in that right. book, which is a huge movie for me. And uh, I made it very apparent when I was writing that book that it was, you know, Mummy 99 was a huge influence. And I'm like thinking, OK, resurrecting this. Okay, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna be yeah. like a mummy book because that would be very uh, at least for me, it would be like total ripoff, um, based on where it came from. And uh it, you just you get into like these certain things. Well, how can I bring in the plague? How can I do this? And I'm like, all right, we're going in this direction. We're we're going like really, really, like, like really ballsy in in my in my in my in my in my head. We're we're going over the top, we're going huge. And uh it is what it is and,
1: and and egypt is is such a fertile ground for finding things especially in the yeah. supernatural realm to write about i've yeah. i've returned to it in the book i'm writing now actually um deadly crossing is set on the titanic mm-hmm. and there is a um i wouldn't say it, an urban myth i guess that when the titanic sailed that so that there was a mummy being transported in the hold of the ship and that it was the mummy's curse that sank the ship now of course that's that's not true and there's no record of any mummy ever being put on the ship but the story was that it was going to an American collector and it was put in the hold and that that was part of what doomed the ship so I, I kind of um went back to the egyptian theme as one of the subplots in this new book so we are actually doing the mummy on the titanic so uh no, that's, that's that's where this this book is going to go so it's it's um it's it's bringing in elements uh, i don't want to give too much away but it's bringing sure. in elements from Whitechapel rising so we're not returning to the the cult of anubis from the prequel because i thought that was just too obvious a way to go so we're, we're bringing in elements from Whitechapel Rising, which was about basically Jack the Ripper being a vampire. So cool. um, we're going to lean heavily into that and bring the, some of those characters back. But basically, it's going to be a mummy running around the Titanic. Cool. Um, cool.
0: No, that's... See, and that's why like, I would love to write about that stuff. I just... I, I mean... I would love to write about that stuff. And I've, I've, I've done similar things in like some, uh, um, in one-offs and standalones. And, um, I just, I, I inevitably just revert right back into my comfort zone, which is just those, just like not, I mean, yours has obviously got a lot of historical base to it and stuff, but, uh, I, I, I just I, I do the supernatural thing occasionally. And it just for me personally, at least for the the the, the, the current work that I am I have, it just doesn't fit right. And it's like I, I'm not going to jam these elements into a story right. unless like you, you start you started with it. So it was exactly. like, that's the expectation. And I don't have that like I did like Cradle of Death, which was a, a theoretically could be a series if I wanted it to be. But uh, the idea for that was it to be like this very open ended, like what if one off and um, it deals with like extraterrestrials and the ancient civilizations of the world. Uh, So very, very realistic topic to talk about with a lot of people, because there are so many like what ifs around the country that just don't make sense or around the world that just don't make sense from a, a human aspect, ancient human aspect. And I was like, wow, what if I actually wrote about? Aliens developing the ancient world. I'm like, that'd be kind of cool. And what if that was where a lot of the civilizations believed were their gods? And there's a lot of similarities between that, as far as you know. Why is there a tall Caucasian man with white hair in Mayan legends with Quetzalcoatl? Right. You know, and 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 Thoth in Egyptian history. You know, uh, a, a tall, massively smart dude coming from the west of Egypt and I'm like well in their history the west is the dead at the west side of the Nile and like yes. and the Sahara eons ago was underwater and I'm like and it's also one of the th- maybe resting places of Atlantis and I'm like you know I'm like this could work <laughs> so here we are i'm like all right i, I need to write about this so it, it ended up being obviously very like uh over the top and like sci-fi yeah. but tons of historical elements like peeked into it and stuff it was a great book to write really fun to write but i couldn't i couldn't implement that i wrote that as a side thing because it just didn't work in yeah. other stuff and uh like i would like, love to write about this stuff 24 7 i just i'm like man i don't even know when i'd be able to do it <laughs> just, <laughs> i got so much other stuff going on <laughs> But uh, no, that's cool. Um, so, like in this case, uh, Deadly Crossing, uh, not the book itself, but um, planning the book. So uh, we love to talk about the uh, the, the writing process. Yeah. And um, when you have that initial idea for a new novel, um, where what does it look like? So like like mine's very visual. I see something, I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Oh that that's a beautiful location. I wonder if I could write about something in there and then I google it and see if there's any historical stuff treasure or whatever. And uh but like with you like what is it uh where does it kind of start I guess.
1: In the case uh, it, mo- most of the books start with just a pr- pretty much a random conversation. In the case of Deadly Crossing I came up with the idea over a year ago. Um funnily enough we were actually on we we were driving across to Nink uh, last year. And we stopped at a Zaxby's restaurant mm-hmm. in I can't remember where it was, it was somewhere between Orlando and Tampa. And probably like when Lakeland we went area. There, yeah, it was around Lakeland. And they they had the they they had a bunch of um, stuff on the walls, like weird uh, stuff in cases and like strange display type cut stuff. And one of the things they had was a uh, a display case set up over the door and it had like a a sideways view of the like a a wood carving of the titanic sitting in it and i'm I'm sitting there eating and i looked up and i said to sonia my wife oh it'd be really cool if we could put decker on the titanic and so it just started from seeing that object in that restaurant and then the only problem was of course that decker is set in current times titanic sank in 1912 Mm. so that was an issue. But at the time, I just started writing, I was working on uh, a book, but set in the Bermuda Triangle, where Decker ends up um, going back in time to the 1940s. And so rather than have him my, my original intention was to have him just do one adventure back there, at the end of the book, he gets back home. And then I thought, well, I can just send him further back in time. And drop him into the center of London so that was where the idea came the problem was I had to do another book in between because I couldn't just drop him there and put him straight on the Titanic yeah so we had to obviously you needed, bridge, the, you needed a bridge you needed a bridge story yeah, yeah, we yeah. needed a backstory to sure. why he was there we needed to um let it breathe a bit before we dumped him straight on this ship uh and develop it so that's where the idea came from and then of course we we wrote that bridge story and I still didn't really have any idea what he was going to do on the Titanic other than that he was going to be on it so you know we we quite my my wife and I were quite often chat back and forth we'll go to Orlando or drive other places and we'll talk and so we we came up with the basic premise of uh, one of the characters in the book being abdu- in the previous book being abducted, and Decker has to get her back, and, and she's being taken to America on the Titanic. So that, that gave me a premise. And gotcha. I didn't really have the whole thing planned out. I had an idea what the end would be because we all know what the end of the Titanic is. So that that was going to be the end of the books so one way or another. Um, but I didn't have any idea. Uh, every book. Uh, for the Decker series needs to have some kind of supernatural element. And I didn't have any idea what it was, except that I'd I'd read this myth about this mummy being put in the hold of the Titanic. And like you said, you know, writing about ancient cultures, um, there's a lot of fertile ground in there for um, folklore and, and the Egyptians were very good at monsters anyway. I mean, all their gods were basically monsters. So It was very easy to come up with, let's just take the mummy and make that um, one of the elements of the book. And then we came up with the idea of bringing back in the characters that the bad guys from Whitechapel Rising, who were these uh, almost they not vampires in traditional sense, but they could basically steal your life force by killing you. So whatever years you had left, they got. So um, we decided to bring those characters back in because. Uh, that book was popular and people liked the the Jack the Ripper character who we turned into one of these creatures. Um, so we decided to bring them back in. And then it was really just a case of trying to to plan the, the book. And the way that I tend to do it, I don't like writing without knowing where I'm going, because that's a good way to end up with a deadline at Amazon of uploading your book and having half of it done and not knowing how to finish it. Yeah. So... I decided that, you know, a long time ago, I kind of fell into a rhythm where I will plan out the beginning and kind of a very rough draft of the middle, like what's going to happen, but not necessarily chapter by chapter. And then what, what the end of the book is like, where are you going with it so that we don't don't end up in the weeds with the book? Um, and then what I'll tend to do is I'll just wing it for the first 10 or 15 chapters to see how the book develops and get into it and then I will go back and plan much more in depth the, the middle through to the end of the book um, because I find that once, once I've written some of the book I've got a, a, a good idea of the direction and the tone and where it needs to go the few times that I've sat down and tried to plan an entire book chapter by chapter before I started writing the middle changes by the time I get there and all that work from say chapter 20 onwards is I won't say it's wasted but it changes significantly because I've had ideas as I wrote the first 10 or 20 chapters that have changed where it should be going in the middle so I I tend to plan the beginning of it come up with the basic idea plan the beginning know where I'm going to the end and then once I've gotten to a point where I'm like okay I've got enough I know where this book is going then I will plan the middle chapters right through to the end and then keep and sometimes I'll do that chapter by chapter other times I'll just do bullet points recently I've just been doing bullet points of all the major um, character arcs and all the major story plot points that I want to get in And then I'm just writing to those. So I might have 20 or 30 plot points of what the characters are doing, where they're going, what they're facing. And then I'll just write to that um, rather than doing a rigid chapter outline.
0: Yeah, I, I've tried, I don't want to say I've tried hard, but I've tried to do more traditional outlining just because I like the idea. So I've talked to a lot of writers, um, Uh, conversation wise, uh, Rick Chesler kind of explained it the best. And, um, he's purposely written different ways to see what works. Um, and, um, he's done complete pantser completely off the cuff and he goes, story came out great, but it took me twice as long to write. Yeah. You're making stuff up as you go. Okay. I get that. He goes, I've also done like chapter by chapter outline. 50, 60 chapters, I know exactly what's going to happen. I can write the book in a week if I if I have the time yeah. to actually sit down and do it. Because I never have a dead point in the story. And I'm like, true, that's 100% true. Um, but I was talking to him and I also got the sense that the story being planned out so much um, just doesn't feel right to me um, as, as just the writer. Right. Um, I like to develop the story as I go. I'm very, very much the same as you. I always know how I'm going to start the story. Um, At least with me, there's usually some sort of like a period piece at the beginning that kind of sets up everything. Exactly. gets that, gets that MacGuffin, you know, gets that kind of, um, and it's kind of, I know where I want to drop the hero in this case, Jack, uh, and, uh, The trouble he gets into and because i start right away i I don't let it i don't let it breathe it's like boom what the heck's going on uh and like i can do that for quite a while and just let it take me because i've already been yeah all the windows that i have open my notes that i have written down like i know where i want it to go about halfway two-thirds of the book is where i really start to get deep into like okay you know how you want it to end you've gotten this far now you know plan it and go and then so right. i'll i'll tend to slow down pull back a little bit when i get to that time frame 40 50 000 words and i'll go okay this is like this is like you know gonna hit the pedal to the metal and just go but we need to have it situated first we need to have it like planned out first so yeah it's kind of like that you know quick start, kind of pause, let it breathe, let it see where it's going, and then start up again and go. And then the end of the book, usually I fly through it because I've already had all of
1: this, you know, tension and story built up. Exactly. Uh, So it's it's a very similar process. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I I do find that, that once I get to that middle point and I start to plan the rest of the book in detail and I do the chapters or the bullet points, it does write itself fairly quickly because you know you're not sitting there at the end of a chapter thinking all right who's who's next what am i going to do next yeah. you you know where it's going you know every every beat of the story so it's very easy to just fly through those chapters at that point
0: yeah no agreed i totally agree yeah i i like i said i've done it i've done it in a few different ways and for me it's like i'll have my word file open and i'll have you know um So what I do is, is I format in bold for like the, I guess the outline and it'll be like POV Jack, it'll be okay. What's happening here. And then I'll do that for like three or four chapters to kind of get like the direction Yeah. and then finish writing a chapter, move on to the next chapter, see what I have planned out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. A lot of the time what ends up happening is now that outline gets pushed back an extra chapter because I've now added in so much other stuff right wasn't planned so it's the book ends up like i've told people my books have gotten longer and longer the last few i've written <laughs> and it's totally on accident it's just i'm i'm part purposely part not uh willing to go the extra distance to yeah. like, explain something where in my younger writing years i wasn't i was more like no this has to be very straightforward it has to be very fast it has to be very you know non-stop and um Yes and no. Like, I still believe that in some cases, like my my unseen series is like that because of the POV that it's in. Yeah. Um, like it's purposely never stops because it's just easy to write that way in that style. Plus, it, I think it just exactly. makes more sense. It makes more sense in that style. Um, But action adventure, in my case, there's so much to see and so much to do that it it for me, it's a disservice not to write about it. Um, I feel like I'm cheapening the experience if I don't write about the beauty of Nepal. Uh, Exactly. Because why am I there? Like, as the writer, I'm there because of how awesome that area is, at least what I believe it is, because I've never been there. But, you know, (laughs) but that's the idea is it's like, I want to write about all this stuff because I want to experience it too, not just the reader. And it's the last few books I've done it in where I'm more than willing to kind of like, I guess, go off on a little tangent while the story goes um I, people have responded well to it so i'm like okay i guess my books are now instead of 75 85,000 words they're now 120 <laughs> it's like now they're full length six digit you know traditional right. novels and i'm like yeah. holy crap but hey here we are but uh you know like you said this is my favorite thing to talk about and it's the influences uh kind of behind the scenes on why we do what we do why yes. we write and Uh, For me, it was uh, movies. It always has been movies. Uh, My wife told me to shut up about critiquing movies and to to tell my own story, I guess. And um, that became my first book. And uh, I kind of realized that I could do it and became, well, tried to become a writer. And uh, I've always considered myself a storyteller who's still learning how to write um and just because like it plays in your head but it's 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 hard to put yeah. it down into words um and I guess that's me being more visual than I am um I guess con- like that I and, don't and know. sometimes I, you
1: see those movie scenes in your head but mm-hmm. you know you don't have the advantage of camera angles and no. uh all those other things so like you said it is harder to sometimes to translate what you're seeing in your head because my mine tend my scenes tend to play out very cinematically as well. Yeah. Um it you can't sometimes... explain the camera angle yeah. in a novel. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know you can't like... show the low angle with the sun behind the character and so it's, it's yeah. very hard to sometimes to get over exactly what you see in your head on paper.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and 100% uh, absolutely. So you know like me it's it's Indiana Jones it's uncharted it's tomb raider it's mummy 99 national treasure it's like it, it's a lot of those rompy action adventures that just a lot of us grew up loving and still love as the years go by. Um And then, you know, th- there's some other, like, I don't really get into a lot of horror with stuff, but like, I kind of appreciate the creativity of it because it is very, very, um different uh like a lot of the stuff that i write it it's heavily based on like the history of the area so there's yeah. r- research wise there there's a lot more to go on a lot of like what what you're doing too with the supernatural crossover with a lot of your histor- historical stuff um it's it's a blending of different genres and doing it right is, it is not always the easiest thing to do because is it a supernatural book or is it a horror book well it, there's also a lot of the action thriller stuff involved so it's kind of like yes. the the balance of it all so it's like like at least for you like where specifically your your Decker series um where did the idea and where did the love for that kind of I guess that genre come from
1: I I get I mean obviously I think movies are some of it I've always watched horror movies action movies those kind of things and there's an element of that in it in in as much as like you said I I see the scene in my head and then I write it Mm -hmm. um I'm sure if they ever make Decker into a movie which you know would be great I will either love it or hate it because I'll look at it and say oh that's exactly what I saw in my head or I'll say oh they got it all wrong so you know yeah. Um and they're not going to let me be the director of it so not not unless I crowdsource it and do it myself which sounds like absolute hell. So Yeah, not all of us are jack
0: Carr either who are, <laughs> you know, who are literally unset 24/7.
1: Exactly. So, um yeah. you know, mo- movies are a part of it, TV shows. Uh obviously, you know, I loved the X-Files uh when uh-huh. I was younger when those were on and there's an element of that in uh jack uh, john deck jack decker who's that john decker um except of course that i didn't follow the the fbi route but there there's a, a a slight element of that but from from a literary point of view um i guess one of my first influences i i've always read my grandfather was a huge reader and he would read everything he loved western novels he loved uh fantasy stuff he read conan the Barbarian. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that he didn't read a ton of horror but he did read an awful lot of things like the gore books and the Mm -hmm. um, like Tarnsman of Gore and those kind of high fantasy kind of novels Um, the Robert E Howard stuff he read a lot of and he'd always pass those books over to me and he'd read like 10 books a week so I was constantly barraged by books and then you know I mean I, I was probably reading Conan the Barbarian when I was eight years old so oh, you know and it's it's not exactly like fair i mean some of the stuff that that he put in those books was was pretty visceral i mean oh, yeah. he was cutting people's heads off and mm-hmm. there were there were yeah the certain... uh,
0: the remake of it was more closer to the novel than yes. schwarzenegger so yeah where it was like over the top brutal i'm like well you haven't you don't know a lot about the book then
1: <laughs> so. right and you know i mean he was a barbarian so he was doing yeah. barbaric things but yeah, so I, I read that stuff. I read a lot of the uh, like Journey to the Center of the Earth and those kind of books as well because he he read those and passed those over to me. Um, the Pellucidar series. So I was reading a lot of the older um, fantasy and adventure stuff when I was very young. And then as I got older, I, I obviously just like everyone who likes horror, I ended up reading Stephen King. And one of the and i'm sure every writer says that stephen king's there you know whatever but one it's of an the easy things, answer i mean it is it, it's I mean, an it's, easy answer it's, but it's because it he makes sense. Owned, yeah,
0: yeah it makes sense um
1: but it wasn't really his books so much that inspired me with him as much as in the front of each book he would write a um a little piece about the book and about his life and this would be in the front of every book and it it would just be something like, I think in one of the um, story collections, I can't remember which one I want to say may uh, I I really can't remember which one, but he had this, he put this piece in there about sitting on his, um, uh, his summer home in the South of Maine, sitting on the deck, looking out over the lake. And, you know, he he's talking about this and talking about how he's, Um, talking about writing short stories at this house and putting them together in the book. And it just sounded like a a very nice life. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he had a summer home. He had his, his main home obviously at the time up in Bangor and it, it just sounded like the kind of life that would be great, you know. Being an author, you get to write about scary things, and then you you get to buy a lot of houses and sit there looking out over your lake. Now, of course, that isn't the reality for most writers, but yeah. the, the rest of us aren't Stephen King. But there was an element of of inspiration in that. Um, for the John Decker series, one of the big inspirations uh, were a uh, are the writers Preston and Child. Yep. Um, they, they wrote the book Relic. I think it was their first book. Their first fiction Uh
0: book. I think so. Yeah, that's the first book in the Pendergast yeah. series. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Which, which became a, I guess... A, a big movie. Yeah, a big movie. I, I was going to say blockbuster movie, but I don't think it was that. But it 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 did very well, considering the, the, the genre that it was in.
1: It did very well. I tried to watch it again recently, and I thought, oh, God, this, this isn't as good as I remember. Um, it it yeah. was very um it looked a little bit low budget when i tried to watch it again but cert- certainly that that series i actually started re- i i saw the movie of relic before i realized it was a book and i started reading the uh, same books i think yeah with the second one reliquary which was um and again i don't think they probably intended to write a series uh with that book um they, they have like a, a little thing on a little book on Amazon that talks about Pendergast and about how they developed the character. And they they actually say in there that, you know, they they didn't intend for him to be a, a series character. And that when the publishers wanted a, a follow-up, they had to pick a character to, to choose to do the follow-up. And that, that was the character they chose because even though he was weird and aloof and, not the most likable guy. the The readers liked him, and he wasn't in a lot. You know, relic. He's not in much of the book. He's
0: yeah. Doesn't it? Isn't it a a, a lady? Isn't it a girl that's like the main main the main yeah, main character at the museum? Um,
1: I can't remember. I want to say Nora Kelly, but I'm not sure if that's right. But it's it's one of the basically one of the museum curator women that that mm-hmm. ends up as the main character in that book. So you know, he he only comes into it really almost as a side character, and. So that the second book was Reliquary and I picked it up in Gatwick Airport when I was flying over to America to come live here. So oh wow. I read it okay. I read it on the plane on the way over. It was nineteen ninety-eight. So it had just come out. I read it on the plane on the way over. Then I went re- went back and read Relic and then I started it with the other books. But by the time I got to Decker, which is what, 2014, when I was writing it, 2015, um I'd read most of their books, and I think there was an element of um, influence there. Obviously, there's an inf- some influence from uh, like the Clive Cussler stuff. You know, Decker tends to find himself in um, far flung locations, and he tends to get involved in action, adventure stuff like that. Um, but yeah, those those kind of books were really the the influence. When I was growing up, I read more straight horror. I would read. Um, James Herbert, who was a, a fairly large English horror writer. I don't know how – I don't think he did as well over here. But certainly in England, he was very well known. Um, he Um One of his first books was called The Rats, and it was basically about giant man-eating rats that ran around London killing everyone. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds schlocky, but it actually worked. It, it was a huge yeah. bestseller, and he ended up with okay. two – two sequels to it the last of which you know because back then um it was still the cold war the last of which was uh set after a nuclear war where the rats okay. have basically um just taken over the city because there's nothing left because it's been hit by a by a nuclear blast mm-hmm. so that one almost became uh post what was apocalyptic and then i would read books like um another author i read a lot he only wrote very short books but he, his name was Guyen Smith and he was a uh, um he only died recently i think he died of covid actually um but he wrote he he was very prolific but he wrote a lot of very pulpy horror stuff uh werewolves monsters in caves so that that kind of blended in with the the in, earlier influences as well uh because i read a lot of those one of his most famous books and again, I don't think he was really known over here, but was about killer crabs invading a Cornish town and basically eating everyone. So that that whole idea of monsters in books came yeah. from those kind of influences. Um and then yeah. the the more of the writing in general was more people like Stephen King, where I thought, yeah, I, I could have that life. It looks good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, my biggest influence is Jeremy Robinson and um I talked about him several times. Right. And, uh, I was just doing a arc reading and beta reading for him uh, almost ten years ago now, and uh, that's how I kind of got into the industry. Is just I I started kind of like you behind the scenes, and then realized that you know Jeremy's a great guy, but he's he's a dude. He's an he's he, he's a normal yeah. guy. You know what I mean? He's he's an excellent writer. Don't get me wrong, but I mean he's not like you know in your head you're going. Oh, he's 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 just a guy that has a story to tell, and you know, and he's very good at it. But he's been doing it, yeah, obviously longer than I have. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And then as I kind of see the process, and as I kind of see, you know, because there's uh, there's like a private group, and we'll talk, and or I message him back and forth, and ask him about, you know, where did this come from, how did that? And I was picking his brain, and then um, kind of realized that if I just try. You know, I, I, you know how am i not gonna you know how am i not gonna know unless i try right and uh you know so he's he's been a huge influence of mine his stories have you know his jack ziggler series has been like you know very very big for me uh you know when it comes to the blending of you know military thrillers with horror elements with historical yeah. with supernatural it's like the, he's he's a master of blending genres um, he does some fantasy stuff. He does some horror stuff that he was doing under a pen name, uh, Jeremy Bishop. His uh, Jane Harper series was oh so good. It was uh, about like the Norwegian Draga and like the and like it was kind of kind of zombie, kind of uh, undead, kind of but <laughs> it, but that out. culture is. There's two of them, and yeah. he's uh, talked about finally writing the third book for it just because of um I, th- I don't know if it's publication rights or something but um uh yeah the gene harper thrillers there's the the sentinel and the raven and then there's a third one that he's going to write to kind of help close out the finally close out the series but those books are awesome and they are more of your like straightforward sci-fi yeah. supernatural horror but they are great mm-hmm. uh, gene the whole books it's first person uh so first person present Ah, uh, so you're in Jane's head, um, but it's like she's witty. She's like, like she's got a filthy mouth. Her attitude. It's like <laughs> she's she just got this great, like, like air about her, and um, and and just the, the creativeness of that series, yeah, is just mind blowingly cool. Uh, and I'm super excited for the third book. So I, I've been bugging them about it for years. Um, but um, yeah, it, it it's like for me it was mostly movies and then as i've uh read more as the years went by and then as i've now i'm writing it's definitely more of the authors in the books but uh i still have my influences with movies i'm, I'm always re-watching the same things over and over yeah it, it's it's kind of what i do i don't like watching new stuff i'm not a big i'm not a big fan of new new content uh i'm i'm, ver- I'm very much what they say uh you don't download and or you don't buy a new music album once you hit 30 or whatever they say it's like <laughs> you just inevitably stick with your what you are your classics right, not necessarily yes. classics and movies are the same way I'm constantly watching mummy 99 i'm constantly watching yeah. the cutscene movies of all the uncharted video games so it's like three hours of all the cinematic cutscenes. i'm not even <laughs> playing the game but it's like i'm watching a big three-hour movie and it's fascinating yeah. and it's i love the characters and that that's that's you know tomb raider i was doing that too and It's just it's fun. I've I've I bought the uh, Indiana Jones, the four Indiana Jones movies on Prime. They had them on sale, and they're kind of like uh, updated, you know, as far as uh, uh, rendered and stuff. So I'm like, I don't have digital copies of these. Sure, bought those. Now I watch those while I work, you know. So you'll you'll
1: watch the new one that comes out there, right? Oh, I will. The one they're making right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I will. Uh, I I will. I I don't care. Uh, You know, people had a lot of problems with the fourth one with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and. I understand it and I, and I get it and I completely and utterly understand why people didn't like it. But it, uh, it was very or, over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I And, and, but that's where I like watching the behind the scenes making of stuff. Yeah. Is because when I, when I was listening to Spielberg talk about it um, and, you know, they wanted to properly age Indy. So when he was fighting the Nazis in the thirties and then, in early forties. And then he was, so how old is he now? So they properly aged him. Yeah. And he was in the cold war era. He was in the, you know, he was in the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Russian KGB and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it became the Russians were the bad guys now, not the Nazis. Cause the Nazis weren't, they didn't exist at this point, the Nazi party. So he needed another villain. And just in the era of us, the bad guys were the Russians. And, yeah. um, he wanted to bring in the so if he, they weren't doing the biblical relics anymore, what would be the next thing? And he just came up with basically the story of Roswell, because um, in the movie they talk about an Air Force incident in 47. Yes. And, you know, and that's Indy was a part of the crew, which I kind of thought was cool that they included him as like the wreck. You know the wreck that supposedly crashed in Roswell, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. That just brings indie kind of into this whole new realm. And yeah, you know the Mutt Williams character was terrible. Uh, I know <laughs> it, it was just the portrayal of it was terrible. Like I don't, I didn't mind Shia LaBeouf. Like it was just the portrayal of the character was is was campier than it needed to be. Did he have yeah. to be a greaser? Did he have to be like the knife, the motorcycle? The, exactly. It's like, it's like did he have to be a part of like. The Travolta greasers. No. It, it was a bit over the top. Yeah. Like I, I like the story. I like the settings. I liked even the, the the B characters. You know, Kate Blanchett was amazing as the villain. Yeah. You know, I I liked it. It was it was fun for me. I cried when I watched it the first time in theaters because that was the first Indiana Jones movie I'd ever been able to see in theaters. Uh because of just when I was born. I was born in the 80s. Right. So when Last Crusade came out in '89, I was five. So it was like, I never got to see these movies in theaters. So I grew up with them at home. So when I got to sit in a movie theater watching Indiana Jones, and when I saw the silhouette of him putting the hat on against the army truck at the beginning of the movie, I cried. I had tears running down my face. I I was like, you know, I I was just, it meant a lot to me. You know, did I love it? No, it's my least favorite of the four movies, but it meant a lot to me. And that's why this movie, uh, I'll see it. And I'm sure I'll be emotional because I also know that this is the send off. Um, so I know that he's, you know, this is it. And, um, as far as what they do with the character in the future, I have no idea, but, um, this is Harrison's send off as indie, and I'm, I'm, it's going to be hard. It, it's I, I be. was
1: kind of surprised they didn't use the indie sun plotline to extend the movies from the last one with a, almost like a, spin spinoff of that.
0: Yeah, there was, there was talks of that. Um, I think the reason they didn't do it is because of shy. Um, and because of his troubles and because of his just right. his personality. And it, I, I think that's where they kind of shot themselves in the foot with his casting is at the time he was fine, but as the years went by and then his struggles and, you know, and, and now he's, he's done some fabulous indie movies. I mean, he, he's, he's a su- surprisingly very good actor, Yeah, but I think it's just come with time and come with growing yeah. up and come with self-realization. But uh, I think if they had cast someone a little straight shooter, a little bit more, I don't know, uh, and marketable. uh, Yes, I think they could have gone that route and it wouldn't have been a big surprise. I still think they can Um, like that's what they were trying to do with the mummy, you know, with uh, with the Dragon Emperor movie um, where they brought in the older Alex. They brought in the son, which is now weird because he has an American accent um in that movie and they had to recast rachel wise because of disagreements going about yeah and i was i was not happy but um, yeah that
1: those movies kind of crashed and burned at the end a little bit they they yeah. got off track like i loved the second movie because
0: uh the mummy returns because it was the same cast the same story and it was the same i feel. did not
1: like the uh tom cruise remake oh god no that was awful that thing was dreadful
0: that was and it and it it killed the universal movies like it bombed that entire series so it was like oops (laughs) what are you gonna do i mean you can't you can't force the story in order to set up something bigger it has to sell itself Exactly, And they were already planning this huge universal monsters thing. But I'm like, dude, you got to hit the first movie first to even remotely. Oh yeah. that. Like they had some great actors lined up too. I mean, they had Johnny Depp lined up to be, uh, uh, who was he supposed to be? Was he supposed to be, uh, Lestat or was he supposed to be like, they had some amazing actors lined up. There was a photo of them where, when the mummy came out and it showed like six or seven actors sitting next to each other. And it says universal, yeah. monsters universe coming soon and it had tom in the middle because that was the first movie of the series and then it showed it to these other actors and one of them being johnny depp one of them being maybe robert downey was a part of it um i can't remember but there's this great picture with all these amazing actors i'm like man if these are the leads in these movies i'm like this this might be cool and then nothing happened of it because they lost so much money uh
1: oops which is a shame because they really do have some great monsters in their ip with with universal yeah um so it's a shame they didn't pursue that they they might yeah i mean they're building this new theme park in orlando Mm uh that's set to open i think 2025 and there's a rumor that one of the lands will be the the universal monsters so that that's one of the things they're developing there so they may return to it and try to you know they they may figure enough time has passed that we've all forgotten the the Tom Cruise debacle and the
0: the problem is is are they really going to like are they really like what we've been saying with Spider-Man for years and now they you know they got it right now but are they just going to or like Fantastic 4 are they really just going to keep rebooting it until they get it right and it's exactly. like exactly you just spent 200 plus million dollars on a Tom Cruise movie which people say Tom Cruise movies don't bomb um just because Top Gun was great so you're like you're sitting here going they may not bomb, but that movie destroyed a future franchise, at exactly. to say the least. And it it didn't have to, and it did. And it's like, uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> now we're second guessing a great monster universe that could be that could be cool. You know, I mean, I don't know, but um, so um, going moving on, I guess. Um yeah. I always like to kind of, uh, end the show on this point because I know it's just going to open up another can of worms. Um, so if the people watching and thank you for watching, if you like the content, please subscribe and uh, like the channel. Um, if you want to give somebody so recommendation on, um, they don't know your work. Um, I'd imagine I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll let you say it. Uh, if somebody is going to check out one of your books for the first time, uh, what would it be? And, um, uh, just kind of tell us, I guess, a little bit of why.
1: Well, I I would say obviously it would it would be the it depends what you like if if you like the monster uh, supernatural stuff it would be the John Decker series for sure. Um, Cold Sanctuary, the second book in the series, is a it is a good uh, entry into that series. Um, obviously, you better to start with the first book, but. Um, I would say for a strong book, probably Cold Sanctuary would be a good start. Um, yeah, because
0: that was technically the beginning of the series.
1: Yes, because... Like as you were
0: saying, because what Vengeance Comes wasn't... was It was meant to be a standalone.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so Cold Sanctuary is where I really start to bring in the characters that will form the series later and the the organizations that they work for and all the other shady stuff that goes on behind the scenes in the series really starts with that second book now like i said i am planning to maybe take a look at the first book and do us an expanded second edition that fits more with the series and has more of those tones in it and we've got plans for that but it, it isn't going to be probably this year um so Cold Sanctuary, I also think that um if if you like more of a historical bent to the book or you're I, I like Whitechapel Rising as well because I like the, the Jack the Ripper aspect. Sure. Um I it's fun to write about characters like that simply because it's it's a new take on something that 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 is just, it's just fun to write. So I, I would say if you want to get into the John Decker series, probably called Sanctuary um for if you're more towards straight um thrillers then obviously the am strong stuff uh the first patterson blake thriller which is called sister where are you um is it's about an fbi agent whose sister is missing and she goes to search for her sister who she thinks was the victim of a serial killer so um that one is is good if you're if you're not so into the monsters but certainly i would say cold sanctuary is the best john decker to leap in with um definitely
0: yeah i mean and for me i always tell people just check out the forgotten fortune uh my first jack Riley book um but you know if we have some fans of yours watching this i would also suggest checking out my unseen uh my frank moon unseen series absolutely um so and the republish uh when this video comes out, the first book will be back out. Um, And then uh, we'll have every other book coming out every month um, as a republish until February, I guess. Um, So yeah, November, December, January, February. Yeah. And then book five in the series, I will uh, have out later next year. Um, And then as you know i mean unfortunately it's also sales related so yeah. if if the books do well and we get a good following behind them um i'm guaranteed to write uh, abomination is the name of the fifth book uh we we changed the names we changed the series brand new covers from david Barons, who's an amazing cover artist um i'm helping him doing a little bit of the lettering on the on the covers just cuz as a cover designer i'm also super anal retentive yeah uh, so but he's much better at the physical like post-apocalyptic movie poster look that's not my style i'm if you see my jack right landscape of the the cover exactly he's really good at doing that so um dave's doing those covers and uh it's now origin uh desolation perseverance inferno and now abomination will be later next year um and is if they're received well i plan on releasing a book a year with that um and then I'm currently writing the fifth Jack Riley book called Venetian pursuit. Um, and that'll come out early next year. I'm starting another series on my own. It's, uh, my first, my first solo series with conundrum. Um, we did the, I'm doing the czar's Kane series with Nick with, Mm -hmm. with the publication, but I have a new series coming out that is starring a gentleman named Alex wake. And, um, it's actually the first time I've publicly talked about it, but, uh, so I'll hint at it. Um, a way to look at it would be: What if Ryan Reynolds played John Wick?
1: Okay, that's interesting.
0: So yeah, and uh, what I can tell you is that the books will mostly take place in like tropical climates. Uh, I just I have this vision of a beach and someone getting beat to death on the beach, <laughs> and then Alex sitting down and finishing the guy's drink. Um, while he's, you know, on the ground, all beat up and in my head, I'm going. Deadpool, but not Deadpool like, yeah, in, so I'm like Wikian, not that like ridiculously over the top, which I love, but not that. But I'm like, in my head, I'm going, there needs to be some humor to it, but it's mostly environmental. It's mostly natural. There's no like, yeah. jokes. And I'm like, who could do that? I'm like, man, I really love Ryan Reynolds, the action hero. I just think he portrayed the bodyguard, the Adam project, uh, even some of the stunts he did in, um, uh, uh, free city, which I thought was one of the best comedies I've seen in mm-hmm. a decade. Like he can do that role so well in Deadpool, obviously. And I'm like, man, what if he is kind of like that? Jack of all trades, ex government agent.
1: Yeah. Who,
0: you know, has a little bit of a moral compass left, but not much. And I'm like, I need I, I need to write this. I really need to write this. So uh, first book in that series will come probably summer next year. Um, is that's the next book I'm writing after I finish with uh, the Venetian Pursuit. So so yeah, uh, a yeah. lot going on that's over awesome. here, and then I'll finish up the year with the next Zara Kane book. So if anybody's interested, I have my entire writing schedule posted on my website because I want to <laughs> hold true to it. I want people to expect what's coming from me. Um, kind of also. Yeah. It, yeah. It's motivation and it keeps me and in, and if there's questions, people kind of have an idea of what's, what's, what's coming yeah. down the pike. But, um, so if you had, I know we've talked about a lot of other authors too, but if there's a, uh, I know it's a hard question, but if there's a singular book from someone else that you can recommend, whether it's something you've read recently or whether it's one of the Pendergast novels or whatever, it, it, is there something that you could, you know, give the reader, give the watcher here, uh, something oh, to check out?
1: Um, it's a tough question because there's never
0: one book. But... It is a
1: tough question. I, I read a lot of different styles of books. Still, mm-hmm.
0: um, it doesn't even have to be in your genre if it's just something that you find fascinating. I, I cool. think
1: for 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 people in in my genre, I, I would probably say the probably the last Pendergast novel that was published, Bloodless. Um, it goes a little beyond what they've done before um, in terms of of B movie monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're into the kind of John Decker silliness, then probably that book you you would probably like. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it's tough for so many books that I've read uh, over the last few years. Um, I actually I read one. What was the name of it? The Hunger, I think it was by uh, an author by the name of Amakatsu. And that was about the Donner party, Ooh. but it was, it was done from a, a horror novel perspective. Like what okay. if there was something stalking the Donner party and that they, and obviously they're, they're the, the famous group that ended up eating each other yeah. uh, while crossing the, the crossing to California. So I, I would say that that one's good. If, if you're looking for some uh, more literary style uh, horror, um, you know, more, more serious horror. I, I think that that would be a good, good book to read too.
0: No, oh, awesome. That That's fantastic. I mean, um, I would recommend a, a buddy of mine, uh, Kevin Tomlinson, his Dan Kotler series. Um, it's, it's just, it's a really deep series. He does a great job with it. Um, it's those archeological thrillers that at least, you know, my readers are very familiar with. Right. Um, and he, he does go a little more over the top with them as far as like the supernatural elements. So it, it, it just gives you that little extra slice, um, that, uh, at least personally, uh, I'm, I'm not implementing into my work, uh, well, at least in my current stuff, but, uh, it, 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 it's great. It just goes that little bit, like I said, that little bit over the top, but it still has all of that great, uh, historical backing and that, that depth of research, Uh, So, I mean, definitely check out Kevin's work. He's great. He's been on the show. Um, He's fun to talk to. Uh, He's got a huge uh, podcasting background. So he's, uh, he's, he's very good at, uh, you know, speaking and talking. he, He has the idea of, of, of the show, which I remember when I first started doing this years ago, it was like, oh, I actually have to be like a personality. And, you know, luckily I'm not it's not hard for me to talk to people considering I was in retail for almost 20 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking to complete strangers is very easy for me, <laughs> especially in this case when it's, you know, it's something relatable. So yes. uh, the conversation's easy, but uh, yeah, I mean, check out Kevin's work, um, you know, check out uh, Preston and child's work, Anthony's work, my work. I mean, uh, that's the great thing about social media today is uh, it's so easy to find people, Um, anybody so in this case if you have a favorite author uh, typically we have some sort of uh, social media presence where you can find us or just an Amazon presence so you just type in the name and up pops the work uh, or websites but um, if anyone does have any questions about your work or at least needs to find it quicker uh, what's the easiest way to find you and your books?
1: Uh, Easiest way obviously is Amazon just put Mm -hmm. in Anthony M. Strong Uh, I also have the website uh, anthonymstrong.com for the Supernatural stuff and A.M. Strong author for the straight um, mystery thriller books. So those are probably the easiest ways to find me. I'm on Facebook as well um, under both pen names and uh, I'm on Twitter, but I really don't do anything on that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I tried, but...
0: it's 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 a lot it's a lot it is
1: that that's basically a
0: job it's there's there's a ton to do as far as getting even getting um visibility like you have to do it consistently or else it's just a waste
1: exactly Uh,
0: and you know i i I was doing um like the live stuff uh may have been like instagram live or something for a while and i'm like i just don't have anything super interesting to talk about that isn't like (laughs) everyday stuff because i i just i don't Unless I'm like, this is all I do. So it's like, I don't yeah. really have, and y'all hear about it enough on social media as it is. So I don't need to talk about it live anymore than I exactly. already do. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if anybody has any questions for me, it's mattjamesauthor.com. Uh, any questions about the publishing, it's uh, conundrumpub.com. Uh, we do take open submissions. So if anybody's got books that they're unsure of how to market and or publish, um, we will take a submission, look at the manuscript and see if it's something that we are interested in. Uh, We do publish mostly straightforward uh, like action thrillers, Um, but we are more than willing to expand uh, like uh, my unseen uh, action horror stuff is being published through us. Uh, R.L. Kennedy, uh, Randy, she's uh, she's got her uh, underground series, which is a post apocalyptic series. that's done really well. Uh, But, you know, as far as, you know, we're not going like romance. We're not going like super hardcore horror uh or you know like it, it's that thrilling suspenseful you know storyline is what we're going for but we are taking open submissions um where we look at them as regularly as we can as fast as we can because we also have our own a lot of work to deal with <laughs> but uh uh but yeah you find me on facebook everywhere uh i'm on instagram as well i'm a little on, I, I don't really do much on twitter uh now i might because i i might not be uh, shadow banned anymore but uh which uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I was, but uh I also yeah, we'll just we won't go into it. But uh but yeah. Uh <laughs> but uh yeah, I'm all over the place. If you have any questions, I'm more than willing to talk and uh, and answer some questions. Uh, Facebook Messenger is easy to get a hold of me. That's how I get a hold of everybody. Uh it's just the easiest, easiest uh, uh media for me. Um yeah. but yeah, I mean uh thanks for watching. If uh like I said, uh please subscribe to the to the show uh uh on YouTube. Uh, on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Go ahead and give some likes, tell your friends. Um, Just going to help promote the show and promote the authors uh, between myself and whoever I'm talking to every episode and just kind of help us out and grow all over the place, not just the show, but also our work. So um, and we won't be here without our work. So uh, the show doesn't exist without the great authors that are willing to come on and talk. So uh, thank you so much for watching, guys. Um, I really do appreciate it. Uh, Tony, thanks for coming on and chatting. We'll have you you back on. Um, awesome. I, I definitely want to talk more about the Decker series, uh, at a later date. So, uh, we'll get you back on and, uh, we'll talk about that, uh, extensively. So thank you so much for coming on my friend and, uh, I'll thank talk you. to you again soon.
1: Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.